owner out there will search no more. My name is Raquel Sid. I'm from New York City, Dominican American, and I've been fostering since 2018 with no formal dog or cat experience. Each week, I'll deconstruct the world of animal rescue. You'll get to hear from me and the amazing people who are saving furry lives, impacting humans, and how you can do it too. We need more doers in the world, and this podcast will equip you with the how so you can focus on your why. To our cuddle friends, this is for you. Hola, mi gente. On today's episode of Paws and Perros, we have Dr. Adam Chrisman, a veterinarian, host of DVM360 Live talk show, and Dog Dad. He uses his platform to educate the community on pet care and tips. I'm thrilled to have you today. Adam, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Paws and Perros. Yes, yes. I had to insert. You got to roll the R's when you do it. You got to. <laughs> yes, Perros. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I am so excited to know that you know, you know, you know how to speak Spanish. That is so cool. So, sí, por supuesto, es muy importante. Claro, qué bien, qué bien. <laughs> bueno, gracias por estar aquí. Nada. Well, I want to start off with, and I'm so grateful to have you because how often do you get to chat with, or at least how often do I get to chat with the vet? And so for listeners, I imagine the same for them as well, for those who are listening and have their furry besties with them. So I want to start off with why did you become a vet? Veterinary medicine is truly a calling from the heart. It's the youngest calling of any profession on the planet. I don't know if you know that. So the average age that someone decides that they want to become a veterinarian is 10 years old. Is that incredible? I didn't know that. Yeah. So 10 years old is the average average. So I was five. My parents told me this story too. They said that I just was instantly had a magnet for animals, like just a magnet. Now, no one from my family is a veterinarian, but we're huge animal lovers. I knew that I had passion for animals early on and then cut to like elementary school. I really loved science. I really did. I was like that nerd with like the science kits and the experimental kits back in the backyard, trying all these different things, just really exploring things with nature and learning the why behind things. And then I really got really involved with learning about dogs. And when I was in fifth grade, this is before the internet, I had index cards and I'd put them in mailboxes in our neighborhood. And I started my own dog walking business. And so... Here I am after school, like, who am I doing my thing, you know, but I had five dogs that I would take care of. And the reason why I want to do that is because I really want to understand their behavior and just kind of like get to know them more. And so I started this field early and that visibility really propelled me into saying, hey, mom and dad, next time you take Archie at the time was our family dog growing up. I want to go to the veterinarian. And so to the gentleman, and I'll tell you who he was in a second, because I said, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And he's like, well, when you're old enough, come see me go full circle when I'm in eighth grade. I said, Hey, he's like, Oh my God, you're ready. I said, I'm ready. So I, uh, yeah. So I was a kennel assistant. And then when I was in high school, I was a veterinary assistant and then veterinary technician. And so I knew that getting into vet school is very difficult to get in, but I wanted to get that experience early on. So I was very fortunate to do so. And I never veered off. I always knew something with animals was my calling for sure. That's so. so beautiful. I love that. Like starting so young. And then it sounds to me like you had supportive parents, right? Yes. Because you were so young. And then like, and first of all, the vet, like, I'm so happy that 
he said that to you because look at right. that, right? And then you actually took him up on it because a lot of times we don't take people up on, right. on their help. You don't take, and that's part of my huge platform. Why I'm huge on social media about this is like, I love inspiring children because all it takes is a moment. I say this to everyone, no matter what career you're in, children are sponges. They will absorb and have an incredible moment really early on. So I always opened up my doors to children to have inspiration in the veterinary hospital. So even when they were coming in with their parents, they wouldn't just be holding up the walls. I would say, hey, I want you to hear your dog's heart. Come Amazing. here, put this stethoscope on. And they would say like, and I've had many now that are adults now that said, I remember that moment when I was a kid and I said to my mom, I want to be just like him now. I'm a veterinarian. And it just takes, what is it? A minute or two that just starts that spark. And so whether it be veterinarian or not, I just want them the, to choose kindness. And I truly believe that if you're just kind to animals, it makes you a kinder human being. I wholeheartedly believe that. And it starts with children because they it are does. sponges. And it makes me think about my five-month-old, soon-to-be six-month-old. And just like, and even with us, like we don't often remember what we hear. It's like what how somebody makes us feel. And so Great. with children, like it's just exponentially. So I'm so glad you do that because how cool as a kid, you go to the doctors, even if, whether it's a vet or you're going to the doctor and they let, let you listen to your own heartbeat, like that's yes. sparking something. So that is yeah. great you do that. Thank you for doing that. Of course. <laughs> and I'm curious when you were, you knew you loved animals and it sounds like you had, Archie was your family dog? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did Archie spark that love of animals in you? Or do you feel like yeah. you used to watch certain shows? Like, Yeah, no, it's a great question, actually. It's a combination of all of it. So even from the cartoons to Garfield, I'll never forget. I love yeah. Saturday morning cartoons and I loved Garfield. I loved anything that involved animals. And then there was like this show called Animal Planet that came on to existence. I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. This is right up my alley. So National Geographic, again, it's just that importance to like, providing children with these outlets to learn and grow and just to see what it was, if it made an impact. It was to the point where my parents were like, you've had enough of this. <laughs> go out and play, you know, <laughs> go outside. But Aww. I truly did love it. I was so infatuated. I loved looking at the dog Archie and looking at his ears. I was practicing being a veterinarian, like Aww, doing all these adorable. fun things. And then I had this one summer program when I was in sixth grade. It was called Critter Care at our community college. And it was just like two hours a week for the week is what it was. My parents signed me up and it gave me that greater visibility to learn about exotic pets and turtles and birds and, you know, looking at other animals. So that said, well, I, I, now I need mama. Now you got to go to the zoo. You got to take me to the zoo. I got to go to the aquarium. I want to learn all these different things. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like. We as veterinarians take care of so many species. In fact, we take care of all species on the planet except for humans, although we indirectly do, as we all know how strong the human-animal bond is. Yes. But I just felt so curious of the why and like how we do all these different things. And so that spark always kept me invigorated throughout my journey in education. Yeah, wonderful. And then you actually went to vet school, which I have heard is harder than getting into med school. Yeah, I never want to do that again. So... Uh... <laughs> Are you glad? Like, I don't know if anyone's reached out to you, like they're considering and like, it might take you back to those days of studying and yeah. and, and you might be like, oh, I don't miss that part. <laughs> I know. I don't miss it. The last year of that school was, I always say the best year of my life. It really wow. was because going through rotations and just kind of putting it all together, you know, like I graduated vet school at the age of 26. And so here I am, like my, I said to myself, my gosh, my 25 years have really come to this moment of putting all the puzzle pieces together. And I'm like, in just a few months, I'm going to be a doctor and we'd be taking care of like following, like hitting my dream. 
So that part was amazing. But like the other part, it's very stressful. Let's call it what it is. Like mm-hmm. you're not just learning one species. You're learning the dog, cat, pig, horse, sheep, goat. And so, you know, from reproduction to endocrinology to infectious diseases. So it really does get very complicated. But you learn to stay humble. You're not going to know everything. And okay. I still don't know everything. But you learn to know the right resources and people to connect to help you, guide you along the way. Okay. And I feel like that's what life is all about in general. You know, always stay learning, always learn, and always be able to support and lean on colleagues or friends to help you, guide you along the way. Yes, that's a theme I keep hearing and actually in a conversation I had yesterday where it's like, one, always keep learning, but then also the we need each other. Like We do we, need, we each, need other. each other. Yeah. We're literally a collective. And I feel like now so more than ever, it's an incredible time to not only be a veterinarian, but also to be a pet parent because there are so many great resources that are out there. And the way I practice vet med even 10 years ago is no totally different the way in which I practice it now. Where I lean on you, the pet parent, we learn and grow together. And I'll give you homework to do. I said, mom, give me an idea. Look this up and see what your thoughts are and circle back with me while I find out what you're interested in learning about this integrative approach to medicine. And I'll find out for you together. I love that because we're on the same side of the exam table at the end of the day. So we're all working together for the greater good of the animal. Yes, yes. And before we kind of touch into that, into pet parents, I'm curious, just like quickly with, because you're learning of so many species, and I'm glad you touched on that because you said, okay, like you're not going to know everything. And I think sometimes we think of that from doctors. We're like, they. I wonder sometimes like, how do they know all these things? But I think it comes from, they'll teach you, things do evolve, and then it's no, you know right. how to research. And like right. look into the right sources. Yes. I have a student that's interested in being a marine veterinarian. And I said to him, you're hardly going to get any of that visibility in your core structure of vet school because it still has this focus. But your journey is going to temper into that as you go into your third and fourth year of vet school. So continue to keep that spark going. The point is you're not going to know everything at that point, but you're going to find things that are going to be of interest to you. You're going to lean on these resources. But I think that, yeah, vet school... <laughs> That school's hard. It really is. Yeah. Yes. I interviewed a vet student. She's in Cornell and she kind of opened my eyes to how difficult it is and everything. Um, But so I commend you. I commend you for going through all of that and and every vet student out there in your practice. Do you specialize in, in a certain species or? Yeah. So to people that can't see, this is over video. So over my shoulder are my children. The reason why I share that is because, so DVM stands for Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, but in my world, it's Dachshund of Veterinary. <laughs> <laughs> I did read you're a Dachshund lover and I want to hear I about am, that. Such, when I first came out of vet school, I actually started in exotics and birds. I saw reptiles. I did snakes and turtles, iguanas, and then I got really, really allergic to them, like crazy enough, because you usually don't, so you're like really allergic. So I was like, well, I love dog and cat, obviously, but I wanted to start in that sector just to kind of be a little bit more diversified in all the different species. So I circle back to dog and cat. So that's what I do. So, okay, yeah. that is, okay, that's awesome. You started off. Is there a fun fact that maybe most people don't know about snakes or? Tenors? Yeah, so here's a fun fact. So how would you think you would x-ray a snake? Snakes are very wiggly to begin with. So I get asked, it's like, how in the world would I x-ray? How do I do a chest x-ray of a snake? Well, PVC pipe. So you put them in the PVC pipe that you get at like Home Depot or Lowe's, you know, like the tubing. Okay. And 
they stay nice and straight that way. And that way you can take the sections completely safe. It doesn't harm them by any means. The x-ray goes through that tubing and you can look at everything. Wow. So that's cool. That is super cool. Yeah. And talk about being resourceful. Got to work with yeah. what you got, right? It's like, okay, we yes. got to do this MRI, but like, how do we do this on a patient that needs to stay still, that can't yeah. stay still? Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. I mean, listen, you never know what you're going to see that walks through the door. I've evolved into more part-time where I do emergency medicine down in South Jersey. Okay. And so when you're in the ER shift, you just don't know what you're going to see. So I had a peacock that was a hit by a car. I'm like, Aww. I did not get the memo on a peacock. But then you just learn your basics. And okay. I say this to the vet students, like, don't panic. Remember your basic anatomy physiology. Like, I know my basic avian anatomy. I know that what trauma. I know how to stabilize any animal. You know, you just learn. And you lean on the team. The team is incredible. And so the uh, peacock did, had a fractured femur, perfectly fine the leg. You just learn to, like keep it together. Yeah. And again, if you don't know, you know, I didn't know. Listen, I don't own a peacock. You know? Right, right. And I don't know how much they specialize in because there's so many species, right? Like how right. long was yeah. the curriculum on peacocks alone <laughs> while you were right, at right. school? Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and talking about like you kind of putting pieces together, I'm curious, like how was 2020 for you? Because I did hear that it spiked. This is a something a little bit more negative, but a reality that happens is that it did spike suicide rates in veterinarians and in, in oh. people working in animal welfare. So how was 2020 for you and your team? Interesting story to your listeners out there. So before the plague hit in January of 2020, so like right before I got asked to spearhead this multimedia company here for DBM360, which is where I'm currently at. And Fun fact about veterinarians is like, we don't like that much change. We don't like to even change mm -hmm. our heartworm prevention on our shelves, let alone a career like change. Like if it's working, it's working. <laughs> yeah. If it's working, this is what. It, so I had this opportunity and I, I live a life of no regrets is what I tell everyone. Should have, what it could is, it goes out the door when you're living life. You just take it to the fullest. And the veterinary degree is such a solid degree that when I took this leap of faith, I said, I can always fall back to full-time private practice. I can always do it. So I did it. And 48 hours later, COVID hits, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so Good it took timing. me to, all kidding aside, it did take me to a very dark place because of the fact that I was like, what did I do to my career? I felt a little bit on the isolated side myself too, just like everyone else out there, I'm sure at the same time, the uncertainty, the unknowns. And then on top of that, I had to learn how to pivot, continuing education in the virtual space, which I've never done that before in my life, you know, but I share with everyone that veterinarians, you learn these incredible coping skills and the ability to adapt in vet school because you learn to adapt with your cases, your patients, things change all the time. There's no real normal thing anymore. So I've learned that. And so, and then being this voice, this platform, having this incredible voice to listen and having a podcast and having the show, hearing everybody to make sure that you're not alone. It made me feel that much stronger. The fact that my newer clients are now my colleagues and, and funders and sponsors. I love it. And I still do. And I still practice on the side, of course, but that's, this is what my main focus is, but I really was able to put pause on life and really hone in and chat with the veterinary students at the time in 2020. Like, how are you doing? Like you were just about to graduate vet school live and in person, and now you're never going to have that again. I so I wanted to make sure that 
I was a nexus and a connection for them. So that way their voices were heard and we were able to provide them with this opportunity to share their concerns, you know, and be very transparent about how they're feeling, burning out, not feeling good, leaving the profession, pet adoptions at an all time high. I feel I'm not good enough. Imposter syndrome, a lack of DEI in our profession. There was a lot of things that came out of this that were really great conversations and we're still keeping that needle moving the way it should be. I mean, wow, the timing, right? Like right, right. before and things have their their mysterious way of working out. But And I heard uh, this maybe actually around 2020 from a group I was in that an author hosted, um, the author of a book called The Third Door, one of my favorite books. And somebody mentioned the universe rewards courage. And yes. what you said, that just reminds me of that quote because it's true. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's yeah. true. When it comes to your what you are focusing on now, what is the focus of the show? It has a balance between medical component, you know, like newest advances, because I'll tell you one thing that COVID really did spark was innovation, innovation yes. and research, a lot of great stuff. So we want to stay on top of that and share and disseminate that information to our colleagues and ultimately to pet parents. And then also one of my big platforms is DEI. I know that our profession lacks, you know, better representation mm -hmm. for minorities. And so I feel like it's one of my personal missions to identify great speakers and thought leaders to make sure that the landscape of our faculty and of our thought leaders is a better representation of how it should be moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very honored that I'm very intentional about it. And I love doing that part. That excites me. And um, wow. I love making new friends because now, you know, when you're in private practice, you're so, so busy in those four walls of seeing your pets, your, your clients. But now that I'm in this opportunity where I get to chat with anybody around the world in this profession and really hear their story, I feel like I can make even a greater impact in this regard. Absolutely. And people gravitate to stories. So I'm sure yes. that while you're having, you know, actually like their science and, and tips and everything, but I'm sure there's stories along the way that got shared and that has an impact. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Okay. That is so awesome. Okay. For those pet parents listening, um, is there something that you wish pet parents did more or less? Yes. Well, they got to watch my TikTok video because I have three things that I knew. If I knew then what I knew now, I would do differently as a pet owner, right? Ooh, they have to. Okay, they got to check out your So TikTok. I'll give you two of the three because they're going to have to tune in for all of them. But one thing that I wish I had early on is I wish I had pet insurance right from the beginning. And so, and pet insurance may not be for everyone. So I, and this is what I'll tell you this to your listeners, because we get asked this as veterinarians. Just tell me, Dr. Christman, what pet insurance to get. Well, and my answer, and it's not a half-assed answer, I says the one that works for you because everyone has different budgets. And so different plans offer different ones. But I really, really wish that everyone can look into pet insurance and or a third-party vendor, such as like Care Credit or Scratch Pay or something similar like that. Because, you know, you're, sometimes our hearts are bigger than our wallets and purses. And we want to like adopt and rescue or, you know, go to a responsible breeder and get the best dog, cat, whatever. But sometimes your financial is not as well protected or whatever. So you want to make sure that you have a good little nest egg for your fur baby so that they can live a nice, normal, healthy life. So that's one. It makes me think about too, like if you do get a puppy, right? And it could be as simply as them swallowing something they weren't supposed to swallow. Right. That surgery is super expensive. And 
can you plan for? I feel like like save Absolutely. a certain amount before you get a pet just because in case of emergencies, it's a living yeah. being and things happen. Absolutely. I mean, not to compare it with car insurance, but think of it as car insurance too, because you never want to use it, but you have it because if you need it, it's there. And so it's very similar in that regard that you hopefully you don't have to use it, but you can, of course, for wellness or whatever, but you know, you have a little bit of that extra added security should you need it. So that's number one. The other thing that I'm a really big advocate for is DNA testing. Every animal and cat should be DNA tested. And it's not because out of curiosity, which is great, of course, like, oh, I want to know what they're mixed with, or I want to make sure that my dog is truly a Labrador retriever or whatever. It's more, and now DNA testing has come such a long way that it actually goes over genomic sequencing. So it may come up and say, hey, your dog may have a predisposition for heart disease. It may have an issue for cancers or you know, kidney issues, intervertebral disc disease. So what does that mean? So having that information is so crucial early on yeah, to powerful. empower you to hopefully you get pet insurance and then also to make sure that you identify those things. So maybe having a good conversation about diet, talking about having ramps in your house because you know that your dog may have predisposition to a back injury making sure that they're well hydrated or you're doing rotational feedings for your dogs and cats if they know that they're going to be going on a therapeutic diet for possible kidney issues down the road. So lots of great things. So I think those two tools are very simple, but incredibly impactful for pet parents. Wow. What a gift that you have shared that with us. And, and you said you shared it on your TikTok. So check out the third yes. one. On, where can they find you on TikTok? What's your handle? So it's at dr.adamchristman52. So Dr. Adam Christman 52 is my TikTok. Perfect. I'll put it in the show notes too. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. I will give you a remix and bonus feature of one other thing, because I'm very passionate about this too, yes. is I would be very, very careful of dog parks. Mm. I know depending on where you all live or your listeners that are tuning in, you may not have an option. You're in urban areas and you need to take into that. There's two reasons. The one is the obvious one, of course, is we just don't know about dog behavior, right? Me as a veterinarian, I could tell you some of the horror stories that I've seen where they thought they were fine, unprovoked, and then all of a sudden they just go at it, right? And then they're off leash and it could be a complete disaster. But the number two thing that you may or may not know to the listeners is that it is 86% of these dog parks are ridden with parasites. So intestinal parasites, roundworms, hookworms, tapeworms. Even if your animal is on a flea and tick preventative, which I hope your listeners are all on, their fur baby should be on something, it does make them predisposed to greater risk of having some parasites down the road. So I do see dogs that are on a flea and tick preventative, but I'll happen to ask them, like, do they go to the dog park? And I'll call them with the fecal results. And I was like, they're having roundworms, you know? Is it the end of the world? No, but it's a nuisance. And there are certain parasites that are zoonotic. In other words, you and I can get them from our animals, you know? Yeah, yeah, that is so important. And my family dog, his name is Bubbles, and he's 14 years old. And he hated dog parks because at the time we were living in Washington Heights. And we lived in an apartment. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I used to love just looking at the dogs at the dog park when I didn't have a dog. <laughs> it took me yes. years to convince my mom and he hated it just because he's afraid of dogs. Nothing ever yeah. happened to him. He was just, whenever he tried to be friendly, he would get barked at and he just is like so sensitive, my baby. And he since then has just always been terrified of dogs, but look at that. Like it might have saved us a lot of things, which is one pet behavior. Cause I have heard of you know, some people will bring a dog to the dog park and they're not dog owners. They're maybe just the person who's sitting them or like they're fostering and they don't. Yes, it's a great yeah. point. So mm -hmm. that's such a great point that you made. 
Yeah, no, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you again. That's another great gift you're giving yes. us. This makes me think about another question that my brother-in-law deals with actually, which is his dog has a lot of tear stains. Oh. Okay. Can yes. you like let us know some tips around that? Because yes. Google says a lot and then different vets say different And I have a video too. on this too. So, uh, you see? Okay. I feel like instead of there's an app for that, I always say I have over like almost 2000 videos on TikTok now. So like I said, I have a video over the, but the tear staining. So what that is, is called porphyrin staining. So when these dogs tears run, the sun hits the tears and it changes the color. So similar to like if your dog licks their feet and chews at their fronts of their paws and you can tend to see this on like lighter color dogs, like the blonde dogs, white dogs and so forth, because when they're licking, licking, you can see that brown discoloration. Yes. And so it's not dirt, it's just porphyrin staining. So there's a thought of that three things. One is to do filtered water versus bottled water. These are some things. The other thing is angel eyes that I heard that can help on certain dogs. Now, angel eyes is tylosin, which is an antibiotic and something that we as veterinarians are trying to really shy away from because we don't want to create these super bugs in a world where we're kind of limited on our antimicrobials right now. Mm -hmm. And the third thing that I think is something to be said is I do think probiotics help. You're typical like, oh, I just give acidophilus or Yoplait. No, like look into like the veterinary approved ones. So for example, I think of Fortiflora, Prostora, IntestoGuard, Visbiome. Those are really great probiotics that may help. You put in the food, obviously, and it helps minimize it. Certain dogs can also have blocked tear ducts too. So I've had to put, say, for example, Maltese's under sedation, and I put like a little cannula under their tear ducts there because, you know, it's called a nasal lacrimal duct. So it's a communication, like when we're crying, the ugly crying that we do. <laughs> I love a good ugly cry, right? Okay, you need to let that out. <laughs> oh my God, you just got to let it out. It's so good. Like, let me watch a Disney movie so I can ugly oh, cry. yeah. Stop right? Yeah, like Lion King. Um, so then you just flush. Sometimes they need to be flushed out. So that's just the other option. I okay. Recommend. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I have heard of those things. And I think it's something so common. And it's nice to know like some of those tips you shared with us. So thank you. Yes. Another question for pet parents is when it comes to just dental cleaning, because oh. a lot of the fosters that I've had, a lot of them had dental issues and it just seemed like it was tartar. To me, it just seemed like it could have been prevented. Mm. But I don't know that people prioritize that. What I have heard from people is like, oh, it costs too much money or they're just not wanting or, or knowing, like wanting to invest in that. Or maybe they right. can't, but I'm, I'm more so referring to people who don't want to invest in that. So maybe there's a motivation for them. Do it, prevent it, because then later on the road, it can cause. Of course. There's two big reasons why pet parents shy away from them. Believe it or not, the number one reason is not financial. It's anesthesia. That's the big concern is like, I'm worried about putting my fur baby under anesthesia. And there's, of course, not disagreeing with them. Like when you and I go under anesthesia, there's risks, of course, associated with it. But in this day and age, I will say it has come such a long way. It really has. Now, there is no such thing. And I'm going to say this twice for the people in the back that don't hear this. There is <laughs> no up. such thing as a non-sedated anesthetic procedure. It's malpractice. There's no such thing as a non-sedated anesthesia procedure. So if you see that being showcased and highlighted, that's not a thing. In fact, it's malpractice for them to be doing those kinds of procedures because we don't know what lies below the gum line. Okay. So say we're doing like, you just scrape the little tartar off and I could do that to your dog and charge you like $300. And I'm doing a disservice because I want to do dental x-rays just like you and I do when we go to the dentist. And the tooth is like an iceberg. We don't know what lies below that gum line until we look at those x-rays and start probing in and checking out. Because I've heard this so many times that 
they'll get like a dental cleaning and sometimes their breath starts stinking up again in a couple of weeks. Well, maybe there wasn't x-rays that were done to show pathology. And I use Carl as an example. My blonde boy is such a blonde bombshell. Get him taken. Um, at four years of age, four years of age too. And I'm on it. I'm his doctor, you know. I'm yeah, like team. how lucky He's are they? There. Right. Therapeutic diet and everything. I take his x-rays. I'm like, Kelly Clarkson, what the hell? So, yeah. I pulled 11 teeth from him. Oh my goodness. So, four years old. Four years old, 11 teeth. So some of it is just genetics of certain dogs, yeah. no matter what they have. And so his teeth is like smelling great and everything now. So, but, you know, you just have to stay on top of it. So, but to the pet parents that cannot afford it, and we live in a world, I really want to touch on this really quick to your pet parents, yes. and it's called spectrum of care. It's a really hot topic that's happening right now in 2022. Rising costs, things are expensive. Mm-hmm. And of course you want to maybe recommend a dental cleaning and do it, but maybe mom, dad, or whoever cannot. So what do we do? What's plan B? Brushing the teeth. What happens if I can't? I have rheumatoid arthritis. I have a lot of senior clients that can't get in there, Mm. brush their pet's teeth. So then look into liquid stuff. So things that drops that you can put into their water. Look into some diets that have those things. So, and look into the chews that are approved by the Veterinary Oral Health Council. So again, we're not dissing you or dismissing you by any means, pet parents out there. We know that everybody has different budgets and that's called spectrum of care. Yeah. I love that you said that exactly because there's a, that, you know, there's a difference between refusing to do something and you can versus you genuinely can't. And so you can't. And when I do TikTok lives, I have somewhere between like 2,500 to 6,000 pet owners that come through and every single one of them loves their animal and all the questions that they're asking it's all for the greater good of their animal it's either they're saying too like i can't afford it what else can i do because they care yeah and so that spectrum of care they're not being negligent to their i've never seen a negligent pet owner on my tiktok live stream Mm -hmm. and i i have almost over nine hundred thousand of them and so it's all about they care they just want to know what they can do to help yeah exactly thank you thank you adam okay so you are a pet father. <laughs> um, can you talk to us about your love of Dachshunds? And then yes. I know you also have a book, which is called Honey, Have You Squeezed the Dachshund? <laughs> Honey, Have You Squeezed the Dachshund? <laughs> so, yeah. They- <laughs> and so like, if you think of, so the long back dogs are prone to slipping a disc, so intervertebral disc disease. And unfortunately, when they go down on the back end, they lose control. They're, they cannot urinate on their own. They can't pee on their own. So when I tell pet owners like how to do it and express their urinary bladder, hence the name of the book, Honey, Have You Squeezed the Dachshund? It is a conversation that's more than a 15, 20 minute consultation in the exam room. So that's why I wrote the book because I'm really passionate about that. And yeah. dogs, I had a dog named Cosmo who's in the book. He lived 12 years. He was a patient of mine. And this is where my, my inspiration of dachshunds came from mm-hmm. is that I was practicing. He came in, his owner's thought like he wasn't walking and he went to go chase a squirrel. They waited like four days to bring him in. Timing is really important when these guys go down for the count. So they come in and I said, it looks like he's permanently paralyzed, but we really do need to get surgery. These are the ones that we need to get an MRI. Like these are, it's an urgent thing. Cause I don't know if he'll ever walk again. His owners never came, never came back. So I took an x-ray of Cosmo was about to go over the results with them. They just ghosted me, completely ghosted oh. me. And Cosmo's only two. And he's like bright and alert. Like, hey, what's going on? Like, Where did my girls go? Right? And I said, I think I'm going to be your dad. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I kept him. Oh and so we God. owned him. And so Cosmo was two. And he passed away up until 14 years of age. So, wow. And he was paralyzed. He was in a cart 
iPad expressing his bladder. I've taken this dog. You'll see in the book, he's been everywhere. I've taken him to Disney with me. I mean, he's just an incredible. And he taught me, I try not to say every time I talk about him, I get choked up because he has such will to survive and be happy. And here he was paralyzed. He would visit children that were paralyzed in hospitals because I took him there to tell him like, if Cosmo could do it, so can you, you're going to be fine. And so that there's something about dachshunds that just really triggered me. And then along came these other three. (laughs) (laughs) I love the picture behind you. We'll have to post a photo. (laughs) So now I have four. So now I'm officially like a doxaholic. I belong on TLC's Buried Alive with Dachshunds and I'm all in. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No, that is, well, I'm so glad that you, you rescued Cosmo. Like that, that, you know, you could have easily called a shelter to say, Hey, like we have this dog and you decided to take him in. And he lived until 14 years old. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. If you see on my YouTube channel too, there's early videos of him swimming. I mean, I literally bought an in-ground pool for Cosmo. I mean, oh so. <laughs> <laughs> you took it to another level. Like that is. We did, yeah, we did next level. We're like, listen, if we're going to do this, we're going to make him bougie, you know? So, That's and so he beautiful. lived an incredible life. So. Oh my goodness. Well, I can, you know, just feel that he had an impact. Like you had an impact in his life and he had an impact yes. in your life. And then look yes. at you now. Oh my goodness. That's, right. that's so wonderful. I, I did interview someone who owns a dog. Her name is Bella and has IVDD and she was a foster fail. And I think it was similar oh. to that once. And she's thriving. Um, I'm forgetting how yeah. old she is. I don't know if she's eight, but then that person, she lives in, in Europe and also has other other dachshunds so it's like you know they had an impact in that way that have the same condition so it seems to be very popular and i think like that tip you gave which is do the dna testing so you can see what are they most predisposed to and then you can assess the situation is that something that you know is there anything you can do to prevent which in this case not letting them jump from from what i read about it like it is awful because it could just happen overnight that's exactly what happened and it just happened to carl who i was just talking about with his teeth Oh. Happened him three weeks ago, and he just went to lift his leg to pee, no. and he went down for the count. And to see your dog, I mean, this is why I feel, I really feel for pet parents, because me as a veterinarian, at least I know and recognize it, but to see your dog go to complete paralysis is so gut-wrenching, and the oh screaming God. that comes out of them, because it's so painful, it's right on their spinal cord, you know, and you just don't know what to do, and you panic or whatever, but I knew, and I took him right over to the neurologist, and they had him on the surgical table within an hour. So, but, and he's back to normal running like a lunatic and stuff. So, oh my goodness. And that, that's yeah. what, and I know it says that in your book. And from what I read, that that's why the first 24 hours is critical. Mm. Like, do not wait and see, like, let's see what happens. Maybe he or she is going to be okay. No, right away right. to the vet. Cause right. look, he's walking. Yeah. He's walking. You wouldn't even know he had back surgery too. So did Chelsea. So did Connor. So they all had back surgery and they're all walking and living great lives too because I caught it early. Oh my goodness. That's so, yeah. And like the, and, and that's what's amazing about just educating yourself on things. And, yes. I, and I think, by um, the way, you need to come to, I host, cause you're not that far from me. I host the Halloweener walk in Asbury park, New Jersey stop. every year, completely free. We have over 300 dogs that join us and they strut the little wiggle butts down the boardwalk With their costumes. and they dress up as Halloween costumes. And it's an equal opportunity wiener walk is what we say. So like, <laughs> All dogs are welcome. Oh my goodness. Okay, please. I would love to. Okay, I would love to because not only do I love dogs, but Halloween is my favorite holiday. And this wasn't even planned. 
but my husband proposed on Halloween as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, you'll appreciate this. My birthday's on Halloween. It is? Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, what are the odds of that? That is so funny. Oh my gosh, on Halloween. Well, that's interesting having your birthday on Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, this is so cool. I, I grew up knowing like, oh my God, everybody dresses up for the, my birthday. This is, thank you everybody. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I hope somebody didn't break your heart to be like, this is not for yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. My brother told me, he's like, uh, just so you know, you were a trick, not a treat. So. Oh my goodness. Oh my. <laughs> wow. That is okay. All the synchronicities there. Yeah. My husband was going to propose and in Iceland and we were going to see the Northern lights and every oh. day he was like, okay, like, um, are the lights going to come out today? And they're like, there's a 10% chance. There's a 7% chance. It was a day before we were leaving. And he, he thought to himself, well, if I don't do it, like, we're going to leave and we're not going to see them. And then when he did it, it was Halloween. And that's how it happened on that day. By, uh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome. oh my gosh. Okay. But yes, please. You said it's in October and yes. please let me know because I'll be there. I will. Definitely. Yeah. I'll debate on whether I'll bring my family dog. Maybe I'll bring him in a stroller because he doesn't Just like other dogs. Just bring your camera and pack, get ready to laugh. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. Okay. That is so awesome. Oh, okay. Another question I have for you, Adam, is choosing the right pet food can be so stressful. And let me tell you personally, like we had my family dog on because we got him when I was in high school. And at the time, like what was advertised the most was pedigree. And so we we're like, okay, this is, you know, awesome. Right. And then fast forward, we changed it to, I'm forgetting the name, right? We've changed oh, to blue Buffalo. Then we changed it. We've changed it. And every single yeah. time I was going to change his food, it gave me anxiety. I got stressed out because the reviews, if you're, I'm not making it myself. I don't know what's going on. So I know that there's so many nuances to this and every dog is different. Are there any pointers that you have in terms of what to look for when selecting? You're right. It's so frustrating. And it's frustrating to veterinarians too. There's three things everyone's really passionate about in life. We always say is politics, religion, and pet food. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> you always need to know to like to tread carefully when having this conversation, yes. but you always want to make sure you have an open dialogue. So if I have a pet owner that's interested in doing raw food, I don't turn them away. I said, I think that's great, you know, like, cause there's a lot of great research that's showing that. So I support it. And as long as it's being done well, there's two words that really come to my mind that I tell everybody, balance and complete. So no matter what diet you're doing, if you're doing a commercial food diet, if you're home cooking, if you're doing raw, make sure it's balanced and complete. And so what does that mean? Well, it makes sure that it's serving all the dietary needs and requirements for that dog or that puppy or cat during its life stage, or if it's known to show if it's being complete for their entire, because certain dogs now foods are for the longevity of their food. So right. not necessarily like puppy, like it's good for all life stages, yeah. but like balancing complete is a big thing. So don't I just like do willy nilly things. I know that I'll tell you this, like there's a lot of like new pop-up nutrition companies, which I think it's great that they're doing it. But I, you know, as a veterinarian, we're trained to be scientists. You know, we look, mm -hmm. we're, we're evidence-based veterinarians. We look for the research and the data. So, you know, some of these diets that are, I get, keep getting asked, I said, I don't, I just don't know. And yeah. I know you want You're me to You're not ask. making it too, right? right. I'm not making think? it. I don't see the evidence. I don't see the research that's being done versus some of the other ones that are out there that have been doing it, what I think is doing it the right way, but making sure that it is balanced and complete is okay. really important because yeah. Nothing's worse than to have like these nutritional deficiencies. You know, we know about what a Great Dane or a Mastiff is going to get nutritionally. Is going to be totally different than what a Maltese or a Chihuahua are going to get. Absolutely. So yeah. different requirements. Yeah. You know? No, I love that. Balance and complete. And then, you yeah. know, again, doing as much research as you can and then 
also just looking at is there science out there to back that up what you're finding right yeah great tip thank you another question is how do you self-care like is there something that yes because you're doing a lot so what do you do for self-care I'm really big about this too. So thank you for bringing this like front and center because it's an important topic, especially in veterinary medicine. You know, we do suffer quite a bit from compassion fatigue and whatever you want to call it as burnout or whatnot. It is tough, you know, dealing with end of life care and challenging conversations throughout the day so that if you can't take care of yourself, how the hell are you going to take anybody or care of anybody else, right? You hear that all the time. So to me, I'm really big on working out. Physical fitness is important. I need to physically move things and lift and, you know, release those good endorphins. I've been working out since I was an undergrad. So it's probably when I started when I was 18. Mm-hmm. I took it really seriously. And then while I was practicing in veterinary medicine, I wanted, I'm six four, so I need to have a strong back, you know, because of lifting and bending down with the animals and squatting. I mean, it's a very physical profession. It really is. And you got to get used to like getting thrown a few punches from dogs and cats <laughs> and squatted or whatever, you know? So I do think that that's important to me and I love, so that's part one. And then part of my mental health, I love, I give this in one of my talks. I say, it's so important to turn the vet cap off and put the dog cap on for me, at least as a dog dad, and just be a dog parent Mm. and be home and present with them and be stupid, ridiculous, get on the floor, play with them. It keeps me centered and it keeps me as my why of like, why? Because I go through things that we just talked about earlier And it makes me humble as a dog dad and realize like frustrations that you as pet parents feel. And that's important to me because I just need to have, you know, my therapy session with my dogs while I'm watching. My other favorite thing to do is I love watching TV shows. So I'm obsessed. And I know you don't going to ask, but I don't care. I'm telling you, you need to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Please tell me. I actually, right now I'm not watching anything. So that'd be so, a good timing. <laughs> uh, do you like do you like scary stuff? Because you're Halloween. I love scary things. Okay. I haven't watched a good scary movie in a while because. Okay. Yeah. Well, American Horror Stories, mm. plural, the short stories are really, really good to watch. So I think you should definitely jam out on those. You'll like those a lot. I love that one. And then I just started getting into The Handmaid Tale. Like oh, I'm yes. It. Okay. That's, yes. I'm caught up. That's pretty. That's deep. Very deep. It's really messed up, it but really, I'm all in. So I, it's like, it's twisted and I'm like, yes, I just like. I binged oh. that when it came out and I hate when I have to wait for a new season. I mean, don't we all? Because we've gotten used to the <laughs> right away. Yes. Yes. So good. Oh, but anyway, that's good yeah, one. that's what I do for self-care. Okay. No. Hey, you need that. And then the cuddling with your dogs. Ah, oh, that's so, I'm, I'm a bit dog deprived right now because where we moved, we're not allowed to have animals and um, luckily my mom lives like 10 minutes away so I often bring my family dog over or I visit but I'm just that was like my favorite activity when I started fostering I literally would cancel plans or like not make plans because I'm like I just want to watch television and literally cuddle with my dogs it's the best a slice of heaven for me anyway (laughs) right Yeah. yeah okay I love that awesome so and then another thing is if for just because of everything that you do see, if someone doesn't have a cat or a dog, let's say, is there any tips you have for them or, or not even tips, just any things that they should consider before they make that commitment? So time is the big thing. You know, you got to make sure that there it's not furniture that you're owning. Like this is a commitment and an investment of a lifetime. 
And so, you know, listen, I haven't worked in shelter medicine. I wish I could tell you that people are incredible, but some are like not the best where like they have a situation, their dog has a condition, they give it up. That's yeah. not how it works. Like you're in it for the long haul with these guys. And so you need to make sure you have that frame of mindset, whether it be you and your family, do your homework and research, know what you're getting into. Um, if you're interested in a particular breed, large or small or rescue, whatever it is, same for cats. Um, so do, do your homework and make sure you can provide the commitment that you need. And I'm going to say this, and this is my, my last plea for everybody is everyone deserves the human animal bond. Everyone. I don't care what financial bracket you're in, but it doesn't have to be a dog or cat either. It could be a rat, a hamster, a guinea pig. But what that does is that unconditional love that we've learned already from COVID-19, the pandemic, when, you know, we were in lockdown, having those animals, it really is something that's pretty incredible almost you can't even describe it until it, until you're in it and you own an animal and because people that are non-animal lovers that talk to animal lovers like they're like you guys are weird we don't get it. because you don't know what it feels you're missing out on a huge part of what life is all about seriously right it's a huge thing and i mean it's great to have children of your own or adopt and whatever it is but to have a fur kid or a pet especially for children especially for children it's it's just such an incredible incredible experience for them to go through but then also try to realize if you have allergies because maybe it's not for you maybe getting a bird might be better for you than having a dog or a cat because right. of allergies yeah right and that's important what you said animal bond you didn't say a dog cat or it's just like what works for you because yeah if you have allergies you're so right. spot on about that i the person i interviewed yesterday that has a sanctuary in colombia her co-founder actually um, hated dogs. Like it was part of his religion where like um, dogs are like the lowest of the lowest. And mm -hmm. she was living, that was her roommate at the time. And she brought, and somebody threw away a puppy. And so she brought it home. And mm -hmm. he fell in love with that dog so much so that he allowed the puppy, like if the puppy would like pee on him or do anything, like he was fine with it. He got inspired, opened a, a sanctuary with her and now has, she said that he now has like six senior dogs that sleep in his room. Um, yeah. it, it, like um, that are in the sanctuary. Well, I love that. And, yes. And like he literally converted from like, thinking they were the lowest of the lowest. And, and now it's like his entire life. And I think um, I see more and more of that in people that, are not animal lovers and then they experience that like right. you said you can't explain it it feels so honestly it's a piece of heaven for me like it's just you can be so present with animals yes there's just something about that's i don't know it's beautiful and you know let's let's call it what it is like they they are <laughs> we are part we are their whole lives they are a part of ours and so you are going to go through end of life care with them you yes. are going to do it and you're going to you're going to you're going to grow from it you're going to cry um, but you're going to take that love and the memories of your fur baby and you're going to cherish that as moving forward. Yeah. But it's such an incredible experience to not all of us have the honor of watch, you know, helping our animals cross over, whatever happens, hit by car, you know, things like that happen. But, you know, I hear this a lot. Like, how can you do what you do all the time, Dr. Christian? Like, I couldn't deal with like euthanizing animals, but you have to have a, a different frame of mindset when we have this beautiful gift in our profession to let our animals leave this earth with the dignity and, and respect they rightfully deserve. And you don't want them to suffer. And it is tough. You want them to be with you forever, but they still will be in a different capacity. But um, it is a nice experience. And I, I do think that children 
are not as dumb as you think when it comes to end of life care. I do, and I recommend this and I've done it for many years. I do think children in my experience do fantastic when they're in that moment, they cry, Mm -hmm. but they'll come back when they're older to these kids. Now they're like adults and they'll say to me, I remember when, you know, you were there for me and it made such a lasting impression on me. So thank you because you know what it is. You respect life. You respect life. It's not a video game. You know, you respect how precious life is when you see these things happening. And it's a great teachable moment as a parent. Absolutely. That is literally so important. You respect, you teach them to respect life. Yes. And, and oh, beautiful. Thank you. Oh my goodness. You have so many gems in you. I have some fire, uh, just rapid fire questions for you. Oh, I'm ready. I'm setting. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me get out my earrings for this. <laughs> Okay, so the number one question is, um, what advice would you give your 14-year-old self? Um, be who you were supposed to be, not what you thought you were supposed to be. So be your authentic self. Yeah. So I struggled with um, being gay. I'm just going to be honest. You know, like I, when I was 14, I struggled even younger with that. And it was a real, real mental um, mindset for me. And so be who you are. Don't be what others want you to be, you know, and because people are going to love you for the wonderful person that you are. I love that. Yes, I love that. Oh, my goodness. Is there someone in your life that you'd like to thank today for supporting you in a way that they might not know? Because maybe it's something very small that they do and, and they show up for you. Yes, Mariah Carey. So the reason, <laughs> Mariah, are you listening? <laughs> she better be listening. And I am going to tell you this, and I, I give this at a lecture, and I do make I can like make you cry about it, but I but I'll give you the short form of it. I love Mariah, I really do, and I hope everyone has a Mariah that they love in their lives, whether it be a person, a celebrity, somebody that has truly transformed the way that you feel about life, the way her music resonated with me as a kid coming out to being married to losing my parents and having her music play at funerals and also at my high moments and me being in surgery and having her get me through to difficult surgeries to me music is everything and so um you know and and just dealing with what she went through with struggle being biracial and, and overcoming things as a female industry leader in the music business that is was pretty male dominated for many years um i just really resonated with her and so um I know it sounds like, I don't know if you want to call it cliche, like, oh, a celebrity. But to me, that's my Mariah. (laughs) No, it doesn't sound cliche at all because it goes to show that um, I think of the word mentorship and it goes to show, like for me, something I often say, um, because my day job is I'm a career coach. And so uh, a lot of people tend to ask, like, how do you get a mentor and things like that? And and I always like to share that mentorship can come in many ways. It doesn't have to be someone that you literally know. It could be a book. It could be a podcast. It could be in your case, like someone who, in this case, it was Mariah who got you through the highs and lows. And like, that's, that's, you know, it's just this one thing and it could be what you define it to be. Absolutely. I I do have to give a shout out, though, just in case he's listening to Dr. Marty Becker. He is a veterinarian Um, for many years. He was on Good Morning America. Uh, He turned into a colleague, friend, mentor, guidance. Should I do this opportunity? Should I not? Like this is, you know, you want to surround yourself by by. Uh, real people, not yes people, is what mm. I say. Like he, you know, I don't need yes people; those are followers. I need real people. You know? Yes, I like that. Yes. And so, 
And he's a real person that has guided me. He's older than me. He's been in this field for many years. And he's truly, he's the father of Fear Free to those of you that may may not know what that is. But he really has helped me get through um, life. You, I could connect you. You would love to interview. You need to interview him. I would love to. Please do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Send me his information. And oh, how beautiful. I am glad that you had someone like him to guide you yeah. with um, just like life. We, I, you know, the more people I interview and just like as I'm getting older and things like I just realized that we're all figuring things out. Like, oh, yeah. it, even like the people that see it's like we're all figuring things out and we can't do it alone. And it's right. like be open, be vulnerable, because there's actually beauty in being yes. vulnerable and asking for help. Be vulnerable. And in the words of my friend, Walt Disney, he said, you know, getting old is mandatory, but growing up isn't. You can still be that kid in the sandbox, you know, like don't take yourself too seriously. Consistently reinvent yourself. Always be curious about life. Figure out the why and just have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's something that um, I... I'm trying to let myself show more of and I still struggle with it. Like I am actually a really silly person and like a kid at heart. And I think for a long, or I mean, and even still now, I, I kind of um, limit myself from showing that part of me because I don't want to be judged or whatever. But then I'm like, wait, that's actually fun. Like why? Like we can be no. silly. Like in college, I'd like tape my lips like with and like make funny faces to my friends. And like I would do it because I'm in how we say in Spanish in confianza. Like um, I can't even yeah. think of it in English right now, but um, I don't do that with like other people. And I'm like, I need to just like be who I am and like stop being yes. so afraid. Yeah. So yes. yeah, that's spot on. Um, <laughs> okay. The very last question. And thank you for being so generous with your time. Um, yes. My question, my last question to you is if you could speak to any of your dogs, what, <gasps> what and they could understand you, what would you tell them? Um, let's see. Gosh, it's such a tough one. You know, I know. Um, I, I probably, if I could speak to them, and I'm sure they know how much I love them, you know, but I, I want them to know how much I dedicated my entire life for a species that is not people, but for them, you know? So I, I'm, I'm hoping that I made, did I make an impact in your life is what I would say to them. You know, did I make change happen? Did I take care of you the way that you wanted to be taken care of? Am I, I mean, hopefully I'm giving you the voice that you deserve, giving a voice to the voiceless. And um, I'm hoping I'm making you proud. Oh, so beautiful. And I think that the answer would be yes. And although you're working with animals, you are impacting humans as well because of that. Um, You're ensuring that the animals are safe and well. And through that, it's impacting people. So thank you for your work, Adam. Thank you for your time. If people want to find you, can you just let them know again where they can follow you? Yeah, just Google me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. No, but um, my home is, I, I feel like I'm a Zillennial and I love it. My par- I'm having a party, everybody, on, on TikTok. So come join me over there. It's a lot of fun. I do TikTok lives every night. I haven't missed it for almost three years. I've been wow. doing live streams. Yeah, I'll do them tonight. I do it every night. Um, so Dr. Adam Crispin 52, I try to answer as many pet parent questions over there. I have a website um, that's eventually going to be up called thedradamcrispin.com. And then, of course, on Instagram, Adam underscore Christman, YouTube channel, The Dr. Christman Show, and Facebook, The Adam Christman Show. I think I got them all. I think so. And it'll be in the show notes and you can Google him as well. And thank you for doing that. If I didn't, if I, if there's a question that you have as a pet parent that I didn't touch on today, like literally go on TikTok and he goes live every day. I can't believe you haven't missed it in three years. Yes. That's amazing. Never missed it. Even on vacation. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, I commend and admire you for that because 
yeah, th there takes a lot of work. Um, or, you know, it could be, it's like you could just be present and instead look at you like answering and just helping people again. Like you're I helping them through their animals. Amazing. Thank yes. you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Mi gente, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Adam. How many gems did he share? Like, I loved how practical he was and the advice that he shared with us. I love that he goes live every day on TikTok for the past three years. So if you have questions because you have a pet, please make your way through his TikTok and go on his live and ask away. And I'm sure there's a lot of people on there. So if it doesn't get answered the first day, don't worry, just keep going. And I hope that it could be an amazing resource for you. One other thing I want to say is thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. I really appreciate it. I look at my stats of who's listening and I feel so honored to know that there are some of you that literally listen the day that this goes live, which is on Tuesdays, and it makes my heart so happy. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you because it can be hard. Um, it definitely is challenging as I'm new to the podcasting world and I am a new mom, like this is a whole world that I never knew of before. I knew of it, but I never experienced it as a mom before. On top of that, I'm figuring out my career and working through a course for, um, as, a, as you've heard me, if it's your first time listening, I'm a career coach. And so I'm juggling a lot. I'm wearing a lot of hats and I really, really want to inspire animal lovers to become involved to become the best pet parent out there the best foster out there to just start every time they're going to throw away their towels like donate it to a shelter like i want to inspire animal lovers to take action in whatever way makes sense to you and if you don't take action when it comes to the animal world i want you to take action when it comes to the people world right like perhaps you're inspired to be of service and go on a service trip and do things in your community do things for your family I want to inspire you to do, to be more doers out there. And that's my why in doing this. And so things do get challenging because there's so many parts of, you know, reaching out to guests, researching, right? Um, just even interviewing someone for an hour and, and, and trying to have it flow in a way that is worth your time. And so I just want to say thank you for being here. If you have a friend that would benefit from some of the tips that this vet gave, please share please share because he literally goes live every day. So this could be such a, an amazing um, resource. And then also if they listen to the conversation, maybe they'll shift their mindset around some of the things that they're, um, whether they're considering a pet or whether they are a pet parent already. So please share with a friend. And if you want me to interview anybody in specific, like, or a type of person, right? Like if you're like, Raquel, can you please interview a dog trainer? Raquel, please interview a, I don't know, somebody who owns a pet hotel. Like, please let me know because as every week I'm reaching out to new guests and it's helpful if I know who you want to hear from. So feel free to DM me. Um, you can DM, you can find me on Instagram at Bella Rescues, which I actually think I'm going to be changing it to Paws and Perros, but stay tuned for that. It's in the show notes where to find my Instagram. And Again, if you want me to interview a certain type of person, please let me know. If you have any specific questions, let me know. I'm happy to be of service to you. Have a great rest of your week. You could be anywhere in the world and here you are listening and I don't take that for granted. Thank you. Yeah.